RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I'm reading from the website of Dunedin City Councillor Lee Vandivis. Uh, and uh, the latest piece that he's written is headlined Car Cancelling Council Shagging Dunedin Future Transport. So what's all that about? It's it's really about debt, actually. Lee Vandivis joins us to talk about what he's written here and the situation uh, in his part of the world with the Dunedin City Council. And uh, Lee, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for making a bit of time for us. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, so I'm reading some of the figures here, and they're kind of eye-watering. Is that that an accurate word for it, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, you could peel onions all day and still not imagine that we could, as a small city with 55,000 rate-paying units, uh, end up with essentially $1.5 billion worth of group debt that's the debt of the council and the council-controlled companies that haven't given us a dividend since 2015. How did you, and it's the royal you, not just you specifically, how did this get here to this? Um, we've had a series of mayors who um, kept the rates at less than 10%, um, although usually the rates were still many times the rate of inflation and um, decided that they could go on a massive spending spree on all sorts of essentially unproductive areas, in my view, um, uh, for many years now and simply stick it on deck. There seems to be an obsession with transport in this spending. And so do you want to take us through that? There's, There's two major obsessions, and they both come down to essentially a saving the planet agenda. Oh, right. Uh, One of them is transport, where um, the uh, aim, as I understand it, is to get people out of their cars and get them into what they call alternative modes of transport. And extraordinary amounts of money have been spent uh, to this end, especially on cycleways, Um, all over the city. The only cycleway that I've actually voted for many years now is the one that runs around the harbour because it's the only one that's safe. It's the only one that doesn't have trucks running across it at intersections. And it's the only one that I think actually gets a reasonable amount of use. Uh, If you look at the cycleway that's been put up and down our one-way street systems right through the city centre, it'd be a rarity ever to see a cyclist on it. And yet we get at least 30,000 cars going up and down it every day. Um, So we've got a situation where the city council, for ideological reasons, especially under the last Green Mayor, Aaron Hawkins, uh, put extraordinary amounts of money into cycleways and into essentially reducing parking options uh, to try and get people out of the city, try and get cars out of the city centre and, uh, you know, George Street turning it into uh, one way at 10 kilometres an hour when it used to be something of an arterial route is just one of the extraordinary wastes of money that have been spent and debt spent. Okay, well, that's um, you, you said two things. I want to get to some of the item costs that we've just been talking about. What's the second area of... The second area is three quarters. 
three waters is something uh, of, of uh, a bizarre situation where uh, 10 years ago we had lagged behind in terms of our uh, underground spending, as most councils had. Um, but there was a concerted push after the 2015 flood that did $173 million worth of damage in South Dunedin, a uh, concerted push then to actually sort out a lot of the three waters problems, especially the drainage issues and the fact that we had failed pumps, blocked mud tanks, mud tank contracts that weren't um, carried out but still paid for, oh. uh, <laughs> lots of things like that, that we essentially got on top of from 2015 to um, uh, 2020. Um, but, however, the, the uh, spending since the government has decided that it wants to take over our three waters, curiously, uh, the Dunedin City Council has decided to accelerate our spending, which was already well ramped up uh, on three waters in anticipation of the government taking it off us. Well, um, that, that, there's something that doesn't make sense there. Why would you put money into something that was going to be taken off you? That certainly has been my question for a very long time now. Uh, any, any, any answers? Any, anything that makes sense? Has uh, anything like that come back to you? Well, the the mayor, the current mayor, has claimed that uh, you know it's it's in our interest somehow to spend an extraordinary amount of extra money and accelerated acceleration of what the original already high spend was in order that we have the best three waters infrastructure that we can have and that once the government takes it over, uh, then we will be certain to have a really good system and the government can spend all our tax money on all the other uh, councils around Otago and Southland who haven't spent the money. Any smart person would say, well, we're not going to spend We don't need to spend that money. They can spend the money. So, Any smart person would, but... but they seem to be in short supply. The argument has been that any money that we do spend on this accelerated acceleration of our already high spending uh, is going to, uh, the debt component of it is going to be taken over by the new entity. Uh, there has been a verbal assurance, apparently, uh, to the mayor. They won't put it in writing, although I've asked for an assurance in writing for a long time. And even if they do put it in writing, we're talking about the government taking from us, confiscating a $1.6 billion asset and giving us essentially $120 million worth of um, uh, taking, taking on of debt associated with, plus whatever this accelerated debt is that we are now indulging in. So there is the argument that has been put in council and most councils have accepted it. I don't. Um, that the Department of Internal Affairs has suggested that that extra money that we're spending now, which I don't believe is uh, quite frankly required, um, uh, having a gold-plated, the very best three-water system that we can get, uh, is, I think, a bad kind of priority. There is no cost-benefit report that we've ever seen for it. There just seems to be some ideology that spending more is going to be better for the city in this particular area. The other particular area being getting cars out of the central city. Yeah, I mean, no one takes a verbal. 
means nothing. And um, and we've seen a track record of even when it's not, things can change immediately. Well, if you look at Three Waters in particular, we didn't have just a verbal. We had in writing and from uh, the minister, Mahuda, that we would have the option to opt in or opt out of Three Waters. And we had that in black and white. And look what happened there. Yeah. My argument is they've uh, used what I consider to be a lot of uh, legal skullduggery to essentially steal our Three Waters asset from us, an asset that Dunedin ratepayers have built up over 150 years. They're going to give us less than 10% of what it's worth in terms of taking over the associated debt. And um, why would you, why would we believe a verbal from the Department of Internal Affairs, who in any event can be overridden by Parliament or, or Cabinet, um, why would we go and spend another $60 million on top of our already expanded spending on free waters and have this extraordinary debt that goes with it? We are looking at $146 million of extra debt before the last acceleration of the accelerated spend on three waters. So you've got to ask, why would your current mayor have that attitude when and common sense tells you that that doesn't make sense? Well, not to me, unless I'm missing something. Does he want to be, you know, the uh, the teacher's pet or something? Is there some sort of um, vying going on amongst uh, local body officials in the big picture to to put themselves forward as look look at me I'm I'm doing it all and and you know I, jobs and positions for the future I mean we've got to explain this somehow. Well, you know, Dunedin is a very labour leaning um, set oh, okay. of yeah. seats that have have not been marginal for a very long time. So it's a safe labour seat, and there is a lot of um, labour. How would I put it? Labor influence here with very little labor money being spent here because they don't need to spend it here because they've got no marginal seats to worry about. Right. It comes down to that, huh? Hmm. Uh, well, it, I mean, that may be part of the reason, but to be honest, I am baffled, uh, especially when uh, Councillor O'Malley, who's the head of, uh, who's, in, who's the chair of infrastructure services, says that we should be aiming for the very best possible three waters system to me the very best possible means gold-plated pipes of enormous diameters yeah that's right why would would you do that well you you do that if you want to impress someone i think that could possibly explain it but it's it's out of my hands i'm not part of the I, i know or labour, so, um, yeah, it just seems totally bizarre to me. Okay, so debt on debt piling up. Let's go back to transport because some of these figures, you know, um, I mean, I don't know anything about slowing traffic or or creating cycleways or anything, but they seem to be huge figures. $28 million to slow George Street traffic to a one-way crawl. $28 million. How do you spend that sort of money doing that? It's a lot more than 28 million. The 28 million is just for the surface treatments. This is to change, to get rid of the curbs and to take the old trees out and put new trees in and then put tank traps in to make sure that no future council can actually make it back to two-way. Oh, so they're purposefully making it kind of irreversible? Pretty much, yes. 
the current mayor, to his credit, did try to make it so that it would be possible to reverse it later, but he was basically side uh, swiped by a majority of councillors and staff saying, oh, no, that would cost millions more to make it reversible. Hey, what's, what's a few more million? <laughs> Um, it, but, it's an argument when it suits them, and it's not an argument, and doesn't even exist when, when when they're talking about you know having the very best that we can get. But how do you get to twenty eight million? Even I mean, I don't. I've got no concept of of the materials involved, and you know the the size of the the project. Let's say, but how do you get to that? Who who's doing the work? Uh, interesting, a, a new company called Isaacs, they are out of Christchurch, and apparently they have particularly good green credentials. They count all their uh, carbon footprint and emissions, and, and um, uh, yeah, uh, they've, they've been brought in specially to do this job. I mean, i got to ask this question. Are there, when money like this is involved, are there any uh, conflict of interest connections between people who generated this project and the contractor? None that I can see. So it's an ideological sort of approach where you um, you find the contractor who has the credentials, top dollar, obviously. Um, you put it in the face of the locals by making it irreversible. So you've made your point permanently. It, it seems to be very ideologically driven rather than just traffic driven. Uh, yes, that, that's basically my objection to most of the spending. It, it is entirely ideologically driven. For instance, uh, there is already uh, in the budget $10 million to have what they call a park-and-ride system, yep. where, where they're going to make an expensive car park in Burnside, which is several kilometres out of the city centre, and another car park out in Mosgiel, which is a number more kilometres out of the city centre, and they're going to expect people to drive to these car parks, get out of their cars, and get in a bus to get into the city centre. $10 million. Again, how do you get to that? How much does a car park cost these days? So well, bulldozer and a bit of asphalt, isn't it, ultimately? Uh, apparently it's $35,000 per park. Man. Okay, let, let us just digest that and... Okay, so based on, and I suppose there aren't that many patterns of use to to look into to work out um, how the uptake will go, but is this something that, you know, for the spend that, that locals are asking for? You know, we want park and ride. Give us park and ride. Is there any of that? I've never heard anyone, actually, other than the interested um, councillors that are involved and um, the regular the regulars who come, you know, and I know most of them personally, who, who come for consultation uh, to make submissions, uh, some of them have said, yes, we want park and ride. Okay. And, and but it's... it's but at 35,000, 35K a park? Well, 35K a park is for producing parks in the centre of the city. So these parks supposedly were going to be cheaper outside of the city. But my... Uh, contention is that the $10 million that we spend on park and ride will be as much of a waste as the um, cycleway that goes up and down the one-way street system that nobody uses that has lost us a whole lot of parking 
up and down the one-way street system and loses us uh, half a million dollars every year just in parking revenue, to say nothing of the convenience of having parking beside the hospital at the university where we desperately need it. Well, but let me get this straight. So you've lost How much in parking have you lost from that? You say half a million. We lose half a million dollars in parking revenue annually because of the cycleway that nobody uses up okay. and down. And, and I take it that means that there are less cars in that area, which means less foot traffic for retailers and activity, et cetera. So what, do you mitigate that by putting car parks that are away from the city centre? So um, so you're trying to sort of fix the thing that's broken with another potentially broken thing. Um, am I missing something there? No, you pretty much know that everything's broken. The concept's oh, wow. broken, the budget's broken, the debt is breaking the bank, um, the uh, rationale behind getting people to change their mode of transportation to save the planet has ended up costing extraordinary amounts of money. I mean, there's one particular stretch of uh, cycleway, for instance, between the BP station and Anderson's Bay and the foreshore. It's only 800 metres long. They had three goes at it to get a cycleway that was safe and spent $1.2 million. On 800 metres. On 800 metres. And the thing is, there was already a two-metre-wide footpath on either side of that road, which was virtually never used. My suggestion was spend 200 bucks and just put signs up saying footpath, eastern footpath is now the cycleway. Yeah. $1.2 million. I fought it all the way through. I, I, I go past it on a regular basis and I've seen a cyclist on it maybe four or five times in the 50 times that I might have gone up and down it. So how much was the, the how much is cycleway spending? I know you said it, but I... I... Cycleway spending is, has, is, is top hundreds of millions of dollars here over the last 10 years. And I think you're right, because I see that, I'm in Wellington, I see that in Wellington on the cycleways um, and there's no one on them. Hardly anyone yeah. ever on them. This this was never this was never thought out. It was like a build it and they will come. Well, they never came. Exactly, and it's been proved time and time again, and they keep doing it. This last year, we added another thirty five billion to our cycleway budget, which was already enormous. How, how do you get again? Who's the contractor? Same uh, contractor. Con- contractors for cycleways. I'm not sure they're usually Downers or Fulton uh, Hogan. They seem to take turns. Right. No wonder they do so well, those companies. I think the uh, Fulton Hogan people Ooh, do very well. Nothing. Uh, and you can see why. So that would be full retail, no discounts, no bulk deals, full retail, right? <laughs> uh, look, I've tried to get into the contracting side of things. I, I Once, quite some time ago, when the mayor was away, I was able to actually read one of these contracts, which was about an inch thick, and it took me two hours. And uh, I come from a contracting background. My father was a building contractor. My mother used to do all the pricing. Yep. And I found seven issues with the contract. You know, one of them was that nobody from the DCC had their name on it. So, you, you know, it was really ah. out who had written the contract. Um, uh, they wanted me to sign it off. I was happy to sign it off on behalf of the city, but I want to read it first. And I wasn't happy with it. And I sent a, um, a write-up of all the things that I thought should be improved in the contract. One of the issues was that it was in three parts. 
but it wasn't specified as a separable contract. Now, I don't know what you know about contracting, but specified as a separable contract, you can't then just accept one third of it. You have to take the whole thing if yep. you accept the contract. Cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, anyway, I wrote in all my objections to the, the way this contract had been written and the fact that it was extremely difficult for me to find who had actually drawn this thing up. And uh, that was quite a few years ago. I've never been able to see a contract since. They're all commercially sensitive, apparently. Yeah, but it's the public's or the ratepayer's money. My argument. Okay, you don't have to be a rocket scientist for that one. Nine million proposed to fund, and we'll get to how big the debt is so people can, uh, I know you've probably mentioned that already, but uh, we'll summarise things shortly. Nine million I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. I'm sorry, perversely, I'm enjoying this. I'm sorry. Nine million proposed to fund wayfinding apps and signage to direct people to increasingly scarce parking that we've just talked about. How do you spend nine million? I know how much apps cost, right? I'm aware of that. And signage for nine million? What? Eye-watering, I know. I mean, what but, sort of signs are we talking about? Sort of top end, high definition, stadium sized TVs at every ten meters or something, and 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 the world's most expensive app. Is that what we're talking about? Well, don't talk to me about stadium sized because no, the state okay. just went and replaced its, which I thought looked fine, massive screens with new ones at a cost of one point two million dollars. Wow. Okay. But um, that nine million, again, you have to ask who's getting the business because that seems like huge well, numbers for, for what the, the description what I, of that. What I ask is what value is in it for the rate payers? Well, yeah, and course. how many parks could we have provided by spending nine million dollars? I mean, you know, nine million bucks would get you quite a few car parks, especially if you use some of the you know, land that was less than optimally uh, used currently, but owned by the DCC. I could get a heck of a lot of extra packs in for a tenth of $9 million, actually. It just sounds like no one who's spending the money here and voting for it to be spent has any idea on the value of money and and how, where it comes from, how it's generated, and, and who ultimately... Um, that spending represents, it's crazy. My objection to it is that we never see a cost-benefit report to say if we spend this money on $9 million of wayfunding, what benefit do we get from it? To me, it would be far more beneficial to actually provide some more car packs rather than these extraordinary apps and signage. And but they don't want cars, Lee. That's the thing. Don't want cars. Um, yes. It, it, would, it would seem that the aim of getting people to park in the central city is, is not entirely genuine. Okay. So how do ratepayers feel about this? Are they aware of this current situation with debt and this um, profligate spending its that it seems kind of out of control? Well, if they read between the lines, you know, of the, of the local monopoly uh, print media, um, they should have some idea. And if they go to my uh, Facebook page or my um, 
the website, they yep. would have a better idea. The thing is that the local new, daily newspaper, which is the Otago Daily Times, um, their reporter was in on the finance meeting that I chaired a month ago in which I had the graph uh, printed on the agenda showing that we were already up to a group debt of near a billion dollars and budgeting towards 1.5 billion. Um, and uh, I would have thought that that would have been front page headline and the graph would have been printed on the front page. Not a word of it has appeared. And I have been trying to get the ADT to print this graph or a version of it which I produced earlier for several years now. I just won't do it. Any ideas why not? <sighs> well, it's bad news, isn't it? I mean, you know, there are certain bad news stories that they quite like, but the DCC debt seems to be one that they're not so keen on. How much does the DCC spend with the ODT? More than... I have approved of. I've been trying to get our spend at the ODT transferred to the Star, which has much cheaper advertising rates and which reaches every household in Dunedin. Whereas you have to buy the ODT, and you know only half the people in Dunedin get it. Um, but you know, you know why I'm asking that, don't you? You know why I asked that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 I I have had an answer. And the answer apparently is that under some local government act, I think it might be the local government act 2002, I'm not sure if I've got that quite right. But anyway, um, um, there is an act which says that the DCC has to advertise in the daily newspaper of whatever. Um, and we only have the one here. So that's it. Okay. So what would happen, um, maybe not hypothetical, if um, a negative story towards the um, DCC, let's say, uh, was published and DCC rang up and said, hey, do more of that and we're not going to be spending so much. Well, that's conjecture. And I must admit, uh, it, it is conjecture that has crossed my mind. Well, you've got, to, you've got to ask why. Pounds, but, why but do no, you... It's not something you can prove. No, I know, um, I know. The fact, the fact that the um, chief executive officer for the ODT used to be the chief financial officer for the DCC, might suggest that there was some sort of link there, but, you know, I, I couldn't possibly. Well, I'm a news guy and I know the value of news and, and what you described before with the graph, and, and that's news. That's big news, actually, if you're doing the news business. I would have thought. So yeah. you've got to then ask, well, why wouldn't you put the obvious big story in your newspaper? So Yeah. And why wouldn't you, um, you know, highlight the fact that we haven't had a dividend out of our companies in 15 years? 15? Uh, sorry, since 2015. Right. Uh, we haven't had a dividend in seven years now. Okay, well, that's still a um, period of time. Well, and especially when we've got hundreds of millions invested in these companies. Um, and, uh, you know, we really need to do something to stop what has been for many years now runaway debt at a time when we also have runaway inflation. And, and in yeah, no, carry on. It's, it's the interest rates going up at a rate of knots that are my real concern. We simply can't afford, I don't believe, to pay a million dollars a week in interest. We I was going to ask you what the interest was, a million a week. 
if you look at a billion dollars and and uh, you know yep. say it's five point two percent comes out exactly a million bucks a week. Where does this all end up then, Lee? Do you think? Obviously, it's not sustainable, is it? There's just no. no way. So, what is it? A hard landing at some point? I think next year is going to be, or oh, this coming year and next year is going to be very hard times for a lot of people. Um, I've been trying to ring alarm bells for many years now because this hasn't happened overnight. Um, you look at the debt graph, it's been growing dramatically ever since they predicted that debt would decline after we paid for the stadium. It's done nothing but basically go up, especially in the last five years. And it's going up at an astronomical rate. Um, let's hope that there's a reset and a debt forgiveness coming because I can't really see much other way out of it. And do you have allies or are you kind of a lone voice? Where, where do you sit? Yeah, in, in terms of voting around the council, um, I would be at the extreme end of not wanting to spend. Um, uh, my view has been for a long time now that if you're in a deep hole, you stop digging. Um, but, you know, there are various staff members who are similarly concerned, perhaps not as concerned as I am, about the debt. Um, and there has actually been some talk of, and it's only been very recent in the last few months, actually, that I've ever heard of the possibility of doing something to actually pay some of this debt back. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's never even been a consideration. Wow. Okay. Um, and there's a ratio, isn't there, of of debt to borrowing that local authorities are supposed to stick to, like a ceiling? Yes. The thing is that the ceiling tends to uh, be uh, based on a percentage of uh, rates. Right. right. Rate, um, your interest cost isn't allowed to be more than 30% of your rates cost from the LGFA. Right. That's the so, funding agency for local government. Yeah. 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 Local government funding agency. So, um, but that ceiling looks like being hit next year. And uh, it, what it doesn't do is give us any headroom. And in fact, I don't think we've really had any headroom for quite some number of years now. Um, if there is some major problem, and quite frankly, they come up fairly regularly. Um, we have dealt with it in the past by pushing the debt ceiling up and pushing the rates up, but mainly the debt ceiling. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything more you want, you want to tell us about or want, want to say regarding this before we wind up this chat? Um, I, I, I am mainly concerned that I don't think people really understand how um, damaging it is to a city like Dunedin to have such a high debt level when we have a population that has essentially the lowest disposable income of any city in the country. Okay. If you're in a city that has growth, if you're in a city that has lots of, that attracts lots of government spending, Auckland, um, then you can get away with all sorts of stuff in the way of debt. Well, even they're not getting away with it, Lee. Exactly. Yeah, and Wayne Brown has got a real battle on his hands, and my heart goes out to him because he's doing exactly the right thing, I believe. He's saying, look, these interest rates are killing us. Let's 
sell the shares in Auckland Airport because uh, whatever we lose in the way of a return on those shares, we're losing far more in interest costs. So it makes sense to sell the shares. He's got a similar problem with his councillors. <gasps> oh, it's an asset. We can't sell assets. It's a, you know, if it's not returning the rate of your interest costs, then it's a liability. Yeah. And unless it has some really good social um, or other value, and, you know, things like swimming pools have lots of social and other value. I'm no problem with that. Um, but if it doesn't, and you've just got shares in something, and you can save yourself millions of dollars every year simply by selling the shares and paying down some debt, then that's what you should be doing. Good on Wayne Brown, Mayor of Auckland, for trying, um, but he's well up against it. They're not even trying down here. <laughs> well, you're giving it a go, I suppose. Um, yeah, but I'm not. Sounds, the, doesn't matter that much. Sounds like a bit of a a bit of a lone battle, perhaps at, at the moment. I think you do have to ask those, even though it's speculation. I do a lot of this, and the thing that keeps coming up is you ask, well, why are they doing it like that? Why, why would you do it like that when it doesn't make sense or it goes against common sense? I think it's it's fair enough to look at the relationships that people have and who knows who, and because it turns out there's a lot of connectivity, um, especially in a place like New Zealand, you know? Especially when you get to local government. I mean, at national government level, people are looking, right? At central yeah. government level, people are looking. At local government level, especially when you've only got one newspaper and they, they can't afford any investigative journalists, Nobody's looking. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are very keen on spending because, you know, they do really well out of it. And I'm not just talking about Fulton Hogan and Downs. All kinds of consultants and all kinds of yeah. others. Um, you know, the, the staff themselves. I mean, bigger budgets, you know, more staff. Yeah, clip, uh, clip, clip. The drivers are all in the wrong direction in terms of getting value. And the, the, the lack of requirement for having a cost benefit for public spending means that the public spending is out of control. Yeah, sounds like it. It's not unique to, New, to Dunedin, but, you know, Dunedin's up there with Auckland in terms of its indebtedness per capita. And we can't afford it down here because we're essentially a poor city. Very low disposable income here. Lee Vandivis, Dunedin City Councillor, thanks for kind of um, putting us in the picture there. And it'll be interesting to see, we've got listeners in that area, what they have to say on our text and email in response to um, this uh, interview, this chat. With interest rates going the way they are, people need to understand that debt really is a four-letter word. <laughs> yeah. Deal with it. Okay, thank you. Cheers, thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.